Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. We're glad that you're here with us this morning. I am excited to be able to share the word of God with you today. And so I will tell you, this is the first time in my life I've preached to four sides of a stage. So if I run around in circles, just bear with me, okay? All right? But we're excited about what God is doing here at Coastal. We're excited about what he's going to do this morning. Uh, If you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to turn to Psalms chapter 1. This is going to be the focus point of our message today. And as we get ready to dive into the word, I want to take just a minute and to thank God for the opportunity that we have to be here today. Would you join with me in prayer? Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, I thank you for the privilege and the honor to be able to bring your word today. God, I ask that you ready our hearts. Help us to hear from you this morning, God, that we would not leave here the way that we came in, but that we would leave here changed and transformed by the renewing of your word over our life today. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. And so today, I pray that this message will speak to your heart. I pray that it will challenge you. And more importantly, I pray that it will help us all to become more like Jesus. Because when we come into church and we open up his word, that is the goal of every message, is that we become more like Christ as we leave out of here. And so in Psalms chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Today, I want to talk to you about spiritual growth and how we should properly measure our spiritual growth as followers of Jesus. And so if you're going to take notes this morning and there's a title to this message, the name of this message would be Roots and Rings. Roots and Rings, the measurement of our spiritual growth as we follow Jesus. And so when we read this scripture in Psalms chapter 1, David is painting us a picture. Now David is a poet. And so all, many of the Psalms are written by King David, and he is a poetic person. And so he does a lot of storytelling through word pictures, which is good for me because I like pictures in a book. Anybody else like pictures in a book? Yeah, you ever get to that point in school and they start taking those pictures out, all of a sudden books are a lot more boring, right? It's just words. You got to paint your own pictures. But in this process, David is painting us a picture of what it looks like to follow the law of the Lord. And it's interesting to me that the picture that he chooses to take is this of a tree. And so today I want to kind of break down this story and look at many other circumstances and situations in scripture where Jesus even talks about our growth in reference to a tree and what it looks like. And so growing up in church, I was always taught that we measure our growth as followers of Jesus by the fruit that we bear. How many of you heard that before, right? So there's a scriptural basis for that. We're going to read it here in just a minute. But that was always kind of the understanding growing up is that how we live our life. When I say fruit that we bear, you're like, that seems kind of, what does that mean? Well, the fruit that we bear would be how we treat other people and how we live out our life. And so you can measure a believer by how they're living their life and how they're treating those around them and those in their workplace 
And so in my head, I created this idea that that's how God measured my growth. I had to have really good fruit on my tree. And if I had really good fruit on my tree, then that's how my growth was measured. And so the reference for that story, for that idea, comes out of Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to read that this morning. It starts in verse 17. It says this, A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Pretty easy. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so can you identify people by their actions. Now, what I believe we have to understand about this story, this is Jesus talking, by the way, in the book of Matthew, is that Jesus is not talking about how we measure our spiritual growth in this story. He's, in fact, talking about how we see the fruit in each other's lives and how we see that come to be. And so it's in this story, he's not talking about how to measure spiritual growth. He's actually talking about the result of spiritual growth. He's actually talking about what comes because of spiritual growth happening in your life. And why is it important that we understand this? Because I believe that if we focus on the wrong thing, we can get very confused in how we're growing spiritually. If our eyes are only focused on the fruit of what we're producing, we're not truly measuring the growth of who we are and how God is measuring our life. A couple years ago, my family moved back here to North Carolina. We moved back to my, my home that I grew up in, quite literally the home I grew up in. We actually are, we built a house in the backyard of where my parents are. And so we moved back home and we began this process of building a home. And part of that process was we had to clear out some land space and where we were going to build the house. And this, God laid this thing on our heart to begin to start farming. Now, I use farming very loosely. If you are a farmer in here, okay, if you're a farmer in here, I am not a farmer, okay? I do not put myself at that same level of where you're at. When I say farm, I mean like we had a garden and we produce some food for our home, okay? So maybe more like a homesteader, a little bit of a garden, that type of thing. Um, and so what I began to learn is that growing plants, so much of the vital part of them is where you plant them and how you take care of their root system. Because you can have a really pretty looking plant with a bunch of leaves and it looks great on the outside, but it's dying on the inside because it's not producing any fruit. And we, so I began to realize, like, through this process, there'd be, we'd have some things that we would plant in our garden, and, man, it looked nice, but, man, we just weren't getting any fruit. And it's like, what's going on? And it has so much to do with what you feed it and where you plant it and all of these different aspects of growth. And so Jesus tells us another story, the parable of the sower. Um, and this is in Luke chapter 8. And I want to read this because what Jesus talks about is the different types of soil that we're planted in and why that's important to how we grow. In Luke 8, 15, it says this, the seeds that fell on good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently, patiently, anybody in here patient? <laughs> patiently produce a huge harvest. You see, I can plant a seed in soil, but if I don't water it, I don't make sure it has the right sunlight, and I don't make sure that it has the right environment around it to help it grow, it's not going to grow. And it's not going to be healthy. In fact, it's probably going to wither up and die. It may shoot off a little sprout, and then when it gets to these things, it's not going to survive. You see, in our scripture reference this morning in Psalms 1, the writer likens our faith in God to a tree that it's planted 
by a riverbank and whose roots run where? Into the river, into a constant source of water, into a place where it is continually receiving from God. And it's funny because when we think about the tree, we focus on the fruit. But when, when David tells us this story, he is very particular in telling you where the roots are planted because there's so much health. You see, and why is it that the roots are so important? If you're taking notes, write this one down. Our roots determine our fruit. Our roots determine our fruit. If we're not focusing on the roots and how we're feeding our lives spiritually and we're not digging into the living water of Jesus and we're not digging into his word, the fruit we produce may look okay, but it's not going to be healthy. And it's not going to be what is intended by God because our roots determine our fruit. See, so many times in church, we come into church on a Sunday morning and we sit in here and we hear a message. So we have planted ourselves in good soil. But then we get frustrated because we look at our life throughout the week and we go, why am I still getting angry all the time? And why is things just not going the way that they're supposed to go in my life? Why am I still struggling financially? I go to church on Sunday. I, I give God my hour and a half a week that I'm supposed to give. I check the box. Why is it that I'm not growing the way I should because you're only attending to your roots for an hour and a half a week you're only plugging into something for a short period of time and so quickly in today's culture we'll blame the church well that church just wasn't right for me you know, it just didn't, I just didn't, the worship didn't quite hit right, and the, that preacher preached too long, or he didn't really have a catchy message, and we blame the soil. We're like, oh, that, it just wasn't good soil, it wasn't a good place, and we plant somewhere else. And what's so crazy is a few months later, that church had the same problems <laughs> as the church you came from. I'm not trying to step on any toes this morning, but I think we have to understand that sometimes we're planted in good soil, but we're choosing not to reach out to the things that are available to us. See, we come to church on a Sunday morning and we hear a message and we hear them talk about growth groups, but we don't ever get in one because that's not for us, that's for somebody else. But how are we going to grow in our faith if we're not in relationship and in community with others and we're not being discipled? And we say, I don't have time, I don't have time, but yet we're frustrated with where our life is because we're not making time for the things that God says are vitally important. When we say that we don't want you to do life alone, we did, we're serious because God didn't intend for it. Jesus didn't pick one disciple. He picked 12, and he put them in a group, and he had conversation, and they ate dinner together, and they discussed the word and what he was saying. Growth is so important, and it's found in the context of community. See, we have to live in community as believers and pray for one another. The problem isn't that we're not planted in a good church. It's that we're not tapping into all of the resources that God has made available for us in that church to plug into. We must live a daily life that draws from the living water of Jesus, not just once a week, every day. See, I don't believe in coincidences in Scripture. And it's interesting to me that when Jesus references himself at the well with the woman at the well, he says that he is the living 
water. In fact, many times in Scripture, Jesus and the Holy Spirit is referenced to water. And so what is the one thing that is required for all growth to happen? Water. If you don't believe me, don't water your plants. See what happens. I guarantee you they're not going to survive. Water is required for growth. And so when it tells us in Psalms that our roots must be rooted into that constant living water that is flowing, we must be rooted in Jesus. That's where our root is found. That is where we are going to get there. So many times in our walk with Christ, we get frustrated because we don't see the fruit that we want to see. We begin to think that our spiritual life is in shambles. And the reason we feel this way is because we are measuring our spiritual growth by our fruit. And this idea of measuring your growth by your fruit is not a God-centric idea. That's a world-centric idea. And how do we know this? Because every aspect of your life and how you succeed is measured by the fruit that you produce. Give you an example. If you live in a workforce, you work a job, you know how you get promoted? It's not by sitting there and spending time reading your Bible and digging into the roots. That's not how that you get promoted in this physical world. How you get promoted? Are you producing sales? Are sales for the company going up? Are you making moves? Are you creating new customers? Are you having new contacts? Is there fruit that we can see in your position that shows us that you're ready for the next position? In school, how do we see our students succeed? By the fruit, right? Are they getting A's? Are they getting B's? Are they passing their classes? Are they doing well in sports? We have created an entire culture that is based off of growth on production of fruit. And so what we do is we take that concept and we bring it into our faith walk and we say, well, this must be how God measures it too. So as long as I'm volunteering in every space and I'm doing all of these things and I'm a part of all of the stuff that's happening and as long as I'm being kind to people and I'm smiling when I see them at church and I'm giving a little bit of money in the offering plate and I'm doing all of these things, as long as there's fruit that people see, then I'm okay. And God says, but what about your roots? What about the inside of your life? What about the things that you're doing? You see, what's so awesome about God to me, and I realized this when I was young. I was about 16 years old when I was called into ministry, and I remember this this kind of revelation came to me that God doesn't measure anything the way that we would ever measure it. Every story in Scripture that you see, he chooses the opposite end of the spectrum to measure something. When he chooses a king of Israel, literally the the prophet goes to the, the house that he's told to go to. He asks for all the sons of Jesse. Jesse doesn't even bring David to the table. He's like, oh, he's the young one. He's a little weak guy out there shepherding the sheep. We don't need him. I've got all my strong boys. We got them lined up. Bring them in. And the prophet says, is this all your sons? Because God wasn't looking for strength. He wasn't looking for physical you know, appearance. He wasn't looking for the things that we would look for for a king. Someone who stands tall, who is strong, who shows presence when they get in the place. Who walks in and just has that demeanor about them. No, God looks at the heart. And not only with David, but man, he uses a donkey in the Old Testament to talk to somebody. Out of all the animals that you could choose to talk, an eagle could have flown down and said something amazing. A lion could have jumped out in the road and said something. No, what did he choose? A donkey. Why? Because that's what made sense to God. 
because he doesn't think in our terms. You know that he used the one thing that represented death in the entire Roman Empire to all of the world to say that's going to be the way in which I show salvation? No one would have picked a cross, but God did. The thing that people could only see brought suffering, he said, is going to bring salvation. See, God doesn't operate the way that we do. He took a young boy with five loaves and some fish and said, you know what? We're going to feed 5,000 people. I don't know about you, but if that boy showed up and I had to feed 5,000 people, I'd be looking for some other resources, right? But not God. God's like, no, that's enough. That's all I need. I need the willingness of someone to give it up, and then I can make it what I need it to be. See, even when it comes to encountering people who are not followers of Jesus, he still looked on the inside. This is what's so awesome about God. This is how he measures every aspect of our life. He looks at the inside. You see, we don't do this. Even as followers of Jesus, we fail to do this at times. Give you an example. Somebody comes up and they're upset and they're yelling and they're frustrated and what do we tend to do in those moments? We kind of match their energy a little bit, right? We're like, oh, you're going to get mad. I'm going to get mad too. Don't you worry. We're going to knock this down. So we get angry and we get to fight or we get upset. Or maybe somebody comes to us with a problem and all of a sudden we, we're just looking at all of the things that are happening in their life and we're like, oh, it's obvious you're dealing with that problem. I can see all these things going on. We begin to measure things by fruit. That's how we view people. We look at the fruit that we're seeing coming out of their life in that moment. They're upset with us. They're treating us wrongly. They're gossiping about us. And we look at the fruit and we judge how we react to them based on that fruit. But what did Jesus teach us in scripture? He never looked at that. The woman who was thrown at his feet, caught in the midst of adultery. He didn't see an adulterous woman. He saw a woman who lacked identity in God. And what did he do in the moment? He didn't address the adultery. He addressed the identity. He said, woman, who condemns you? And she looks up and no one had. He says, neither do I condemn you. Get up and sin no more. He showed her, who her where her worth and her value was in that moment because he realized the root was not the fact that she was committing adultery. It was that she had not found any value and worth in the way that God had created her to be, and she needed to see that before she could see the other. Over and over again, we see Jesus do this. When Peter denies him three times, his greatest disciple, the one who walked with him, was in the top three, there for everything, denies him three times at the cross. When Jesus comes back, does he address the denial? He goes to the root. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He knew that the heart was not that Peter was denying him. It was Peter wrestling with the fact of if he really loved Jesus, if he understood what that was. He went to the root of the issue. This is the God that we serve. He's not worried so much about your fruit because you know the interesting thing is if we'll focus on the right thing, if we'll focus on the root, you don't have to worry about the fruit. Because if you're in the word of God on a daily basis, if you're seeking after him in the secret place, if you're taking time to pray with him and you're attached to that living water, the only thing you can produce is good fruit. 
1 Samuel 16, 7, it says this, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not judge by his appearance or height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God looks at things that are under the surface, not on the surface. I brought a little display for you today, a little visual. Sometimes I do these, sometimes I don't, but I thought that this one kind of stood out to me. And so, you see, each year that a tree grows, there's something that happens on the inside of the tree that you cannot see. And you guys can't probably see it very well, but I want to show you there's these rings. Everybody see these rings on here? So each one of these rings represents a lot more than just a cool little design in the wood. You see, each one of these rings represents a year of growth that happened in that tree. And what you can tell if you, if you look at scientists and you ask them about what these things do is you can tell by the color of the rings how dark or how light they are, how that year was for that tree. Was it dry? Was it a wet season? What did they go? They had a longer winter or they had a shorter summer or they had different things. You can tell all of that by the rings of the tree. Now, I can't tell all of that by the rings of the tree, but people who study this know. And this is what's interesting to me is when I think about us as trees, this is something we fail to look at many times is the seasons of life that we've been through. You see, those seasons are there, and if we were able to take a cross-section of our life and look back on these things, we could begin to see, well, this is a season where I, I struggled in my relationship with Jesus. And this was a season where I went through a lot of, of depression and doubt and concern and fear. And then this was a season where God was blessing and changing my life for the better. And I saw things that happened that I'd never seen. But you see, we don't measure our life by these things because we focus so much on the fruit of what's happening in our life. And instead, if we would pause for a moment and begin to look back on the goodness of God in our life and what he's done for us over and over again, we begin to look at the rings of our tree, we could see this growth that's happening that we never would recognize if we were only focusing on the fruit. You see, the things that determine the depth of your growth are only discovered under the surface of your ordinary life. You see, so many times we want to measure our growth by the monuments and moments in our life. We want to measure our growth by, oh, we had a great you know, financial blessing come into our life and we were able to pay things off and we were able to do these things. And so we want to measure our growth by that. That's a fruit that was produced by you investing in the right thing. But we remember, we look back on our life and those are the things we want to remember. But you know what? I was having this conversation with someone the other day. We were talking about youth ministry and my wife and I did youth ministry for 12 years and one of the things that I always realized is, is when we started out, the thought process was always this, man, we, if we have good events, if we have big lights, and we have these, this great drawing to young people, they're going to come and their lives are going to be changed and transformed because it's just going to be so amazing. But what's so awesome about doing youth ministry for 12 years is eventually your youth aren't youth anymore and they're young adults and they're doing ministry in the, on their own and you can begin to have some deep conversations with them, and you look back and you say, well, what was the most impactful moment you can remember from youth? You know, I'm thinking, man, they're going to remember that message I taught six years ago. I, mean, I had the points, and I had the props, and it was perfect. And you know what they always say? Every single one of them. 
I remember when you let us come over to your house and we had small group in your living room and we were talking about God's word and you said something in that conversation that just challenged me to really live out my life. Or, or they'll say, I remember we went to that conference and we were in the hotel room late that night afterwards and we were all crying because we had, we had realized something the speaker had spoke to us and we began to share our own story and our own testimony and in that group with fellow believers, I was challenged to walk out my faith in a way that I never was challenged before. See, it wasn't the monuments and the moments, but it was the root of the heart of a leader who sat and said, hey, this is what's valuable. This is what's important. So as we, we follow through and we look at these seasons in our life, we have to understand how important each season that we go through is in our growth process. You see, it says in the scripture, if we're planted in living water, that we will produce fruit in every season. Now, if you're a farmer, you've done anything before, that's almost nearly impossible in today's terms, right? There's not a tree that you plant that produces fruit in every season. It has a season where it produces fruit. And so for us, mentally, that picture is like, how do you produce fruit in every season? What if the fruit he's talking about being produced isn't always what we tangibly see on the tree, but what if it's the health benefits of us in that season? See, sometimes the fruit that we produce is something that God's giving back to us to help us prepare for the next season. Sometimes you might be in a season of drought. We call this the winter season where there's feels like there's nothing going on. There's no greenery popping up. We don't see all of these amazing things happen. And what can happen is in those seasons, we can get really discouraged and depressed. But the reality is maybe we need to be focusing in on God in that time. And it's a season of rest. And what's so cool about a season of rest is that in that season, you can draw strength from that water and you'll begin to see fruit produced in your own life. You'll begin to see patience and long suffering and you'll begin to grow things in that season that you can't grow when all of these other things are happening, but you need them for what's happening next. That's why it's important to look at the rings in our life and see what it is that God is doing throughout the time of our life. See, your faith in Jesus and your commitment to spending time with him cannot be determined by the fruit that you have on your tree. It must be determined by the time that you spend rooting yourself in his word and his truth. This is where we find our growth. You see, now, what about the person? I want to talk about this for a second today. What about the person that appears to have all this fruit on their tree? On the outside, man, they look like they got it together. They've got the smile, they're on the team, they're serving, they're doing all the good things. And when we look at them, we go, man, they're a strong Christian. They really got it together. But you know what's so interesting about church culture is that sometimes what we do is we have become very good at producing fake fruit. And I want to cautious you this morning about producing fake fruit because what happens when you produce fake fruit is that it has no life in it. And so you're giving, but you don't know why you're giving. And you're serving, but you don't know why you're serving. And you're coming to church and you're amen in the preacher and you're taking the notes, but you don't really know why you're doing it because when you leave on a Sunday, you go home and you go back to your normal everyday life and none of what you did on Sunday translates into your life throughout the week. 
And you think you're okay because to everyone on the outside and on the surface, you look like you've got it together. But you know what the danger is in fake fruit? When somebody picks that fruit off of your tree, you perpetuate that in their life because there's no life-giving source that it's tied to. When they, when they begin to see you do something and they go, well, I'm going to do that too because so-and-so does it. I'm going to go jump on, on that team. I'm going to go, go be a part of that, that group. I'm going to be in those things because they're doing it, but they don't understand the depth of why it's there. Why is it important I'm in a growth group? Because I want to get my root down deep. I want to be with other believers, and I want to grow and be a disciple that Jesus has called me to be. You see, I, I grew up in church. I was the master through high school of putting up fake fruit. I knew what people wanted me to say. I knew what they wanted me to do, and I knew how I needed to act. And I knew as long as I did all of those things and checked all those boxes, there wasn't going to be a person that was going to ask me because on the outside, I looked great. But on the inside, I didn't even know who Jesus was. I didn't have a relationship with him. I didn't know what it meant for the reason I was doing it. I knew all the right things to say, but I didn't know what it meant to really know him. And that is the most dangerous place to be. Because what's so hard about that is it's very difficult for brothers and sisters in your life to call things out if you're not being real with them about what's going on. And so what we have to understand is that part of the growth process, part of being that tree planted by the living water, there's a hard part of this as well. There's a difficult part of growth. In order for us to grow in Farmers, if you're in here or anyone who's ever done this before, you know that a big part of growing a tree is pruning. See, you have to prune a tree in order for it to really produce the fruit that it needs to produce. In John 15, verses 1 through 8, it says that I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. And when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. I have a friend who served in ministry with me for many years. And uh, I'll never forget when I met him and we were talking, he just wanted to volunteer with our youth group at the time. And I remember in that conversation realizing there was a call on this man's life greater than anything I'd ever seen in a person across from me because he just had a heart to love people the way that God loved him. But he told me a story of when he was in high school, he worked at an apple orchard. And at the apple orchard, at the end of the season, the farmer would go out and say, hey, we need to prune some trees. And he says he remembers he would prune a tree, and the farmer would be like, no, we got to cut more. we got to cut more off of that. we got to get that out. He's like, and at the end of the pruning session with all these trees, you would look at this apple orchard and think you just murdered it. He's like, you would think you had just killed everything. He says they would look like little nubs just popped up out of the ground with nothing on them. And he remembers thinking to himself, he's like, this isn't going to be good for next year. This is going to be rough. 
But he said what was so interesting is as you watch through the season and it became spring, he said all of a sudden all this new growth would begin to shoot out of the tree. And the trees that had been pruned versus the trees that had not been pruned would produce exponentially more fruit. And you see, this is so true about our lives. We have to allow God to take the things that we may have produced incorrectly or things that aren't right for the season that we're in and allow him to cut them out of our life. Sometimes this is friendships or relationships that we have in our life that we know are toxic to us and are unhealthy, and we've been trying to hold on to them for some reason, and we know that it's not what God wants us to do, and we know that it's not the place that we need to be, but we just don't want to let it go, but we have to allow God to prune us and to allow that thing to be go. Some of us, it's an addiction that we've had for a long time, and we've held on to it in our life, and we've tried to live the life that God wants us to live. We've tried to be rooted in the word, and we're wondering why we're not producing the fruit that God wants, and he says, I need to cut that off of you. I said, but God, no, I don't want to do that. For some of us in this room, there's a, there's a job or a place that we've been in for a long time, and God's been trying to call you out of it. And I'm not trying to speak to everyone here, so don't everybody go quit their job on, a, on tomorrow, okay? But I'm telling you, for some of you in this room, you're in a space, and you've been praying the same prayer over and over again. God, why can't I grow? And he's saying, I need to cut that out of your life. That's not where you need to be. That's not the plan I have for you. That's not the step that I wanted you to take. And we have to allow him to prune us. And here's something I want you to tell you. Pruning preserves production. Allowing God to prune us and cut away the things that don't honor him or the relationships that don't honor him. This will help us to become the tree that God has called us to be and will help us to produce healthy fruit for those around us, not fake fruit. Not just something that looks pretty, but something that is healthy. So as we get ready to close this morning, I want to go back over what we talked about just to kind of recap for a second. Because here's what I want us to understand is this isn't a message of like, hey, you're doing this wrong. I want hope you know that every message that I ever speak or teach is something that God's working on in my life. And it's just a representation speaking this out to you. So it's the same challenge for me and I believe it's a challenge for all of us, is that we have to allow our roots to determine our fruit. We have to take time to invest in that. We, can, we have to stop measuring our life by what we're producing. Your production is not what God's measuring your life by. He's measuring about the time that you spend with him. You know what's so interesting about the story of Jesus is that when you look at the life of Jesus, who was all God and all man, here in the flesh on earth. You know what he still did every day, even though he was all God and all man? He spent time with his father. It tells us multiple times in scripture that he would go away from his disciples and he would go into a place, sometimes up on a mountain, sometimes into a garden, but he would go to a place to pray and to talk to his father. And I think for a lot of us, if we would just learn to keep that rhythm in our life, we just came out of 21 days of prayer and fasting, but what if we continue that? That should be something we do on a daily basis, is get in a place where we can dig into that living water, where we can draw from that source of life and begin to see what God is doing, just spending time with him. 
It doesn't have to be a fancy prayer. It doesn't have to be anything meticulous. It just is time. Sometimes my prayer time is legitimately just me sitting and saying, God, what do you have to say to me today? I don't have words. I don't know what to pray. But today I just need to hear from you. And I don't get audible voices from God. I haven't been blessed with that in my life. But what I do find is truth in his word and a still small voice in my spirit that leads me in the way that I know that I need to go. And when we begin to hear that and and tune our ear to those things, we'll allow that time to speak into our root and to grow our roots in God. The things that determine the depth of your growth are only discovered under the surface of your ordinary life. Guys, don't get discouraged by all of these outward things. If you are focusing on the inside of your relationship with God and you're spending that time with him, the rest will work itself out, I promise. I promise it will. If you stay committed to the things that God has called you to do, everything else will work out. And when people look at you and they go, why are you staying faithful to God? The, the, your life doesn't look like it's, it's supposed to look. You can say, but my, my life does look like it's supposed to look because I'm spending my time with God. I'm getting in the word. I have a relationship with God that's stronger than it's ever been before. I'm not worried about what the outside of this looks like because God's got it. He's got it. And then the last thing is that pruning preserves production. Allow God to prune those things in your life that he needs to take away. As the band comes this morning, if everybody would stand to your feet today. I want us to take a few moments and I just want us to reflect on where we're at in our walk with Jesus, where we're at in this place. See, every one of us in this room may be at a different place in our growth. But so many of us in this room, I guarantee you, are trying to measure our growth by the fruit that we see coming out. And what I want us to do today is I want us to reflect and to look at our life and to say, God, I want to focus on my roots. I want to focus on the things that are important because I know that if I can refocus on those things, if I can look inward instead of outward, that God, you can do what only you can do. You see, the amazing thing about producing fruit in every season is that something only God can do. No man can do it. We don't even know how to navigate that in our, in our head, right? Only God can do those things. And it's through our trust in him, it's through our time with him that we're able to see that happen. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Nobody looking around. If you came into the house today and you say, I just, I just need that relationship with Jesus. I just want to know him. I don't know him personally. Chris, I'm in that same place you were. I've, I've been coming to church. I've been putting on this show. I've been doing the things that I think people want me to do, but I've never actually decided to follow Jesus And I want to take step. If that's you today and you're in the room, I want you to lift your hand. Just lift it up and put it back down. I just want to know so that I can pray with you today. Lift it up high so we can see it. Amen. And for the rest of us in the room today, if we're in a place where we say, God, we just need to refocus on the root. 
God, I need to take my eyes off of all of the things that I've been looking at to measure my growth by. And God, I need to focus on the root of who you are in my life. I want to say a prayer over us today that God would just allow us to be focused on the things that are important, to refocus our lives so that we could see the growth that we need to see. Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, I just thank you for your presence. Lord, we know that you're in this place with us today. We know that you're meeting us here this morning. And God, for every person in the room that, Lord, we, we, we hear the message and we know that our focus may be on the wrong thing, that we've been trying to produce fruit, but we haven't been focusing on growing our root with you. We haven't been spending our time in our word. We haven't been spending our time in prayer. We haven't been seeking after the things that you seek after. God, forgive us. And Lord, we want to change our heart today, Lord, to be focused on you. Help us, Lord, to tap into that living water that flows, Father God, from the inside outward. And Lord, let us see lives changed because our source is found in you. God, be our source of life. Be our source of hope today. And God, we just thank you for this. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you could, just for a moment, let's just worship together and let's just think about the things of God and think about the roots of our life. Let's worship this morning. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.